This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro. And we're back again with Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. In this episode, we're going to be covering the last of the principles within uh, the five-step process. There's, there's a couple more in this, in this section, section two around the uh, the five-step process, but we're, we're basically covering that last final step in the five-step process. There's just a few more that are sort of rounding it out. And this one says, push through to completion. That's the uh, high-level principle there, or I'm sorry, the mid-level principle. And then the sub-level, sub-principles under this one say, great planners who don't execute their plans go nowhere. We'll come back and talk about that one. Also, Good work habits are vastly underrated. And then finally, establish clear metrics to make certain you're following your plans. All right, so let's start off back at the beginning there, Micah, with sub-level principle that says great planners who don't execute their plans go nowhere. What's your analysis on this one? Uh, You know, well, at first, this principle sounds like hyperbole. (laughs) You know, they go nowhere. Um, absolutely nowhere. <laughs> but then you think about it, right? It's, you know, you think about what a plan is. Well, a plan is just kind of a laying out of what is to be done. And so, of course, if you don't actually do it, right? If you actually don't do the plan, you are going to go nowhere, right? You're not going to accomplish your goal unless, I guess, by pure accident that, you know, you get what you wanted after all. But not by because sure, of any sheer of luck. Sheer luck. Yes. Um, I haven't had that... Uh, good fortune in life. Yeah. Well, what kind of a principle is this in the first place? I mean, it's not instructive of anything. I don't even think this, uh, I don't, I sort of discard this as even being really a principle, but I think we should talk about it nonetheless, because we have things to say and time, time to do it. True. Um, well, and I guess part of it was, you know, he doesn't add any additional information to this particular, um, principle. Yeah. There's no like additional guidance or how do I, how do I, do that? How do I uh, make sure that I execute? Right. Eh, I guess he covers that in other areas, though, I think. Yeah, I guess it might be a question of why did he have this, if it's covered by other things. Um, maybe it's just, uh, hey, just uh, remind yourself. I mean, you I know, think execute plans. I think it's a good point and uh, giving maybe motivation to say, well, you know, it's not just going to happen magically. So you've got to go do it. So as far as, uh, you know, this idea of great planners who don't execute their plans go nowhere, Ray does you know, give some additional advice. He says, you know, it's important to remember uh, the connections between your tasks and the goal that they're meant to achieve. And certainly I think this is probably a just kind of motivational factor, right? Once you plan something out, I think, right, you say, all right, here's the 10 tasks that I need to do in order for this goal to actually be achieved. And I think it probably, it's pretty easy once you get in the weeds and you start dealing with like task number three, and maybe it's difficult and you're like, why am I doing this? This is hard. It's maybe easy to just focus on that task and think, oh, that is the thing you're wanting to do. 
And then if it's hard, you're like, well, I'm just going to forget about this. And so you have to remind yourself why ultimately are you doing task number three? And it's because of that goal, right? So presumably there is, when you set out this plan, you looked at these 10 tasks and you said, yes, it's going to be worth it to go through those 10 tasks to achieve that goal. Yeah, I know it's going to be some work, but the value that I'm going to receive at the end is going to be worth performing that work. I, I think that's a good point. I, I I like your the way you looked at it there because I do think it would be uh, extremely easy in anything that's like long running in terms of a goal and probably most things that are worthwhile doing are going to require multiple steps along the way and are going to you know happen over somewhat protracted amount of time. And to your point, you could get sort of get lost. Uh, why am I doing this again? What what why is this task important? Mm-hmm. And so that reminder that your tasks need to that reminder to us to make sure our tasks are connected to that goal is a is a good reminder. And yeah, you know, I think maybe another thing to just keep in mind, right? When you when as I mentioned before, right, when you created those tasks as a part of your plan to achieve the goal, presumably at that time you did think, hey, these ten tasks are worth the effort, right? They're gonna pay off. And now, I mean, it could be, right? Once you get to task three, maybe you realize, oh, this is much harder than I thought it was going to be, much more complicated. Maybe there's some negative consequences to it that you hadn't pursued or you know hadn't perceived when you were setting out the plan. And so you may have to reevaluate, but that should be an intentional thing of, okay, I'm looking at task three now, and it's actually not going to be worth performing all these tasks to achieve that goal because the negative consequences are too great. So you may at times have to reevaluate your goals in light of the difficulty of some of the tasks. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering wondering if you were going to get there with sort of reevaluating these things because I agree and, and was was having a similar thought in that and just because something becomes difficult, I don't think you know, like you said, don't just give up on it because it's hard. It's okay to mindfully reevaluate. Well, is what I'm trying to accomplish really worth this amount of effort? Uh, and if it's if it is the most important thing to you, it is like your your lifelong aspiration. Then I hope your answer is going to be yeah, it's going to be worth it to me. Otherwise, it seems like that aspiration that you have, you're not really entirely bought into. Right. Yeah. And now that we're talking about this, I actually remember. Um, so last week, uh, you know, we're again, you know, John, you and I, we do for our listeners, we do software development. The team I'm on uh, last week, we had so we do what's called test driven development, where we have tests for our code to make sure that our code's working right. And so we came up with uh, some tests that we wanted um, because we thought that would make us feel more comfortable releasing the product. But then what we saw was the tests that we were written were actually causing more trouble than they were helping. And so you know, those tests were our tasks with the goal of releasing software more frequently. And what we saw is those tests were actually getting in the way of that. And so we reevaluated and said these tests that we were going to write aren't worth aren't worth it um, like we thought we were, they were going to be. And so we decided to not write those tests anymore because it was actually decreasing the value that we were producing for our client. Which is entirely different than just saying these tests break a lot, or we break the tests a lot because we screw things up, and then saying take them out because <laughs> they keep catching when we break things. It's like no, that's that's what they're there for. This was that they were. They just were getting in the way. They weren't adding the value uh, that you had hoped they would commensurate with the trouble that they were causing you. Right. Yeah. And, and so there's a, you know, I think, yeah, we have to be careful here as far as 
always making that the excuse as to why you're going to stop doing some task. Like, oh, well, this just isn't worth it. Yeah, well, we've talked about that before where people tend to delude themselves um, easily on things like that. It's like, oh, I don't really need to do this to accomplish the goal anyway. I'll just set that aside. It's like you've got to be really honest with yourself. Right. And this may come, um, may speak to uh, later. We'll talk here about Ray says, you know, when you have metrics for your goals, for your tasks, you know, to have maybe someone else who's kind of in charge of keeping track of those for you. And I think that's probably in part some of the reason, you know, that, hey, you want some outside party to, you know, hold your feet to the fire in a sense that is really going to question you. Like, is it really because it's so difficult, right? Is it really because of loss of value or is it just because, you know, you don't want to do the difficult work? We'll talk more about that one. Yep. Why don't we move on then, Micah, to the, the next sub-principle, which is the good work habits are vastly underrated. I guess this is, I feel better about this one a little bit as far as a principle goes, um, just not to be on Dalio's case this whole this whole episode, but um, there's, there's some more guidance here. And, and I think that this is putting some value to those, those work habits and, and pointing out that those having, having good work habits are, the, are going to be what you rely on when things do get difficult. And I think back in, in, into how I used this principle in my life uh, about uh, on a side project that I was working on, Micah, you're talking about software development. And you know, when you're working on a side project, you're, you're doing it on your, your time. Uh, this is time that you could be working, you could be spending with your family. It's time that you could be spending with your friends. It's time that you could be spending relaxing uh, or, or sleeping in some cases. Maybe you're, you're, you're taking away from your, some of your sleep time. So it was difficult at times to keep going with the side project. And I came to a point where I said, okay, if I feel like I want to work on the project every day for at least five minutes. Now you might think five minutes, that's nothing. And you're right. I mean, I could literally sit down and, and barely have scratched the surface in terms of making any progress within five minutes. But I learned about myself in that situation that it was getting myself to the computer, in, you know, away from my family, sitting down and, and getting sort of wired in to the computer. That was the hard part. And so just overcoming that part of it for me went a long way for me in, into making progress on my side project. And I, I just said, you know, I just have to push the peanut forward a little bit. So even every day. Push the peanut? Push the peanut forward. I don't know where I heard this metaphor before. If I made it up, maybe I made it up. Okay. I just, I, it's new to me. I doubt I made it up. <laughs> but if you're thinking about the goal is to move the peanut from here to there, wherever there is. Uh, you know, create my app or whatever my project was. It was an app uh, that I wanted to, you know, push the peanut a little bit further towards my ultimate goal. And as long as I did it a little bit, that was, that was part of, that was something because every day it was a little bit more and a little bit more. And of course I found that I very frequently put in a significant amount of time more than that five minutes that I promised myself that I would. And uh, sometimes I did the five minutes, but at least it was a little something meaningful every day that I had committed to do that. So that was a way for me uh, to use sort of, I don't know, a, a hack, a little bit of a life hack there. I sort of hate that term, but I <laughs> used it. Now Now I'm screwed because I've used it, but use that as a way to, to force myself uh, to have sort of good work habits, I guess, or to be um, diligent and to be 
conscientious and make sure I'm doing the work necessary to accomplish my goal. What uh, do you have any experiences or thoughts around the work habits, this work habits sub principle, Micah? I, you know, I don't know if I would consider myself as having good work habits or not. Right. Um, I think that's something I've been focusing more on in the last couple of years. And especially in the last couple of months, I've taken on a, an additional role uh, with work and it requires me to maybe be a little bit more organized than before. In the past, it used to be I could just come in and you know I'd just talk with my team and we'd figure out what we were kind of doing for the day. And you know, I had a couple other you know responsibilities, but for the most part, I could just kind of come in and go to my team area and we'd just do our work and that would be about it. But with this additional role, there's um, additional tasks that I have to do, and I want to make sure that I take care of them and you know don't forget to do some of them. And so I have started focusing more on okay, what's a way to kind of organize myself a little bit better. As part of that, I've listened to you know some podcasts about you know organizational strategy, you know just personal organization. And so one, there's a, a person named Michael Hyatt. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, for sure, yeah. And um, so I don't use this yet. Maybe, uh, maybe I will. But he's got what they call a full focus planner, and it's a planner that you know you can use to you know be more focused <laughs> on you know the tasks that you want to do, but the thing I'm taking away so far is they have they had a podcast about what they call the big three. And the idea is that each day figure out what are the three top tasks that you want to accomplish. Um, and now that's not to say that you wouldn't do additional tasks, but focus on what is it you might say at the end of the day, if you got those three things done, would you feel successful for the day? Um, in part, it helps you leave the day. You know, their, their claim is right. It helps you leave the day. Even if there are some tasks that are undone, if you got those big three, you can say, you know what? I did the big three. I can go home. I can, you know, be, you might say, present with my family and not be thinking about, oh, the things I didn't do. And um, so that was kind of an interesting idea. I, I've started to try to do that on my own, uh, not with his particular planner. I just use a, a to do app. And, but I can figure out, okay, what are my top three things that I need to get done today? Uh, but that's really just in the last week. Uh, so, Maybe I'll report back uh, how that's going. And speak, uh, speaking of to-do apps or to-do lists anyway, I mean, that's actually a recommendation that Dalio has in, with this sub-principle is that you should, you know, people that do this successfully are going to keep a list of what it is they're working on in, in sort of a micro level to make sure that they're doing all of the things necessary to accomplish the latest milestone in their drive towards their ultimate goal. Right. So yeah, I mean, certainly Ray would agree. I'd be curious what he would think about, you know, pulling in like something like someone else's planner or something. You know, I guess he doesn't have a Ray Dalio planner. Um, Maybe one day. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Can I copyright that or something? You can try. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, he'd be supportive of any mechanism that you could use to keep yourself on track on task uh, and, you know, I, I use a couple of different things that I was going to share real quickly. You know, I use a, I use like a, a work board, a Kanban board essentially, which has uh, all of the things that, that I expect I need to do during the day. And as new things come in, you know, I try to reprioritize them throughout the day. I add them to the board and I re reprioritize them. And I have a couple of like guiding, I'll call them principles, they're not principles in the in in the way we're discussing them here, but they're like guiding um, high level goals, objectives that I'm involved in, and and their relative priority to one another. So that as new work continually comes in, I can sort of evaluate 
all the tasks and then get them queued up to be done. Do you have anything similar? Now I know I know how you work specifically because you're working with a team and you guys have a whole a whole process. We don't have to go into that, but just in, in a, from a personal perspective, if you're working on working towards something, maybe you're you're wanting to you know improve in some way. Is there some something that you use to keep tabs on how you're progressing? Not currently, but um, there is. Uh, so other people may be aware of James Clear. He's got a book, I guess, called Atomic Habits that. Um, I've just become aware of and you know, atomic in the sense of small. And <clears throat> one of his things is when we talk about people, you know, oftentimes we'll like have a goal of, Oh, I want to lose 20 pounds or maybe I want to read 20 books this year. And he says, you know, one of the problems with doing things that way is that once you achieve that goal, right? Assuming you do, well, what does your life then look like afterwards? Instead of maybe saying, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds. Maybe it's something more like, do you know what? In order to lose 20 pounds, if I were to exercise 30 minutes four times a week, make that your goal of, okay, four times a week, I want to work out for 30 minutes. And not say, I want to work out for 30 minutes four times a week until I hit, until I lose my 20 pounds. But instead, more of like, I just want to make this the way I live, right? So even once you get past the 20 pounds, right, presumably you'll want to keep exercising. You know, so what's just a healthy way to live? What's a habit that is healthy? You know, that goes back, Micah, to uh, one of our previous principles that we've discussed, which is have clear goals. Because if you're, you know, I knew somebody who they actually wanted, they wanted to lose a certain amount of weight like you're discussing. The, and, and if you listen to it on the surface, you'd be like, why does that guy want to lose 30 pounds? But what, you know, what is his life going to look like after that? And I came to understand and came to learn from him that he and his wife were going to Hawaii and he wanted to take this helicopter trip where you flew around the island, the, uh, the island in Hawaii that he was going to, and he had to be below a certain weight to be able to take that helicopter ride. So for him, he didn't care like long-term, <laughs> he just had to get below that weight so he could, he could make weight for the, the seat on the helicopter. <laughs> and here too, right? I mean, I think even Ray talking about yeah, having clear goals, you might say, well, my goal is to lose 20 pounds, but again, well, why do you want to lose 20 pounds? And the reality is it's, you probably want to be healthy, right? And so that's really what should be setting your, that's your true goal, right? Is just living, being healthy. Mistaking losing 20 pounds as being your real goal leads you to maybe bad habits in the sense of you're focusing just on that when really what you want to focus on is just living a healthy lifestyle. Right. Having, following a plan and maybe having tasks as I was sort of stumbling through getting started with is good and something that we should do. And I think it sort of dovetails then into this last piece, this last principle about metrics. So Mikey, you want to start us off on that one? Sure. Yeah. So Ray says to establish clear metrics to make certain you are following your plan. Um, so you've, yeah, you have some goal in mind and presumably you don't want it to be that, all right, let's say your plan is that by April 1st, you want to accomplish some particular goal and you don't want it to be that between now and then you have no insight as to whether you're getting closer to achieving that goal or not, right? So you want to set out these, you might say markers or these milestones. Milestones. There you go. Yeah. Milestones as to whether you're getting closer to that goal or not. Yeah. So that sort of presupposes um, that you've, you've broken your work down in a way that you can measure the results uh, over time. You know, it's not like, I don't know, I don't, I don't have to have a good example, but you're not just saying I'm going to go from here to there and I'm not going to be able to tell 
like where I am from here to there along the, along the trip, you've got some milestones. You've actually thought about the work and broken it down in a way so that you can have metrics because you could, I think you could totally design a plan here to do something and then um, subvert yourself by the fact that you haven't organized it in a way to have meaningful and measurable results that you can look at over time and along your journey. Right. We operate the podcast on the value for value model. We're entirely listener supported. If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, visit our website at daliosprinciples.fireside.fm slash donate. You can also help us grow by promoting us on social media. So get out there and tell all of your friends about the podcast and help us spread the word. And now back to the show. Yeah, so now we're back to or finally getting to that thing we talked about earlier in the episode about Ray saying you should have ideally you have someone else who objectively measures and reports on your progress. Um, so one, you do have to have metrics, right? If they're going to report on your progress, you have to have a way of telling whether you're making progress or not. Well, they're they're not reporting necessarily on your progress, right? But they're just they're helping you be accountable to the progress. Right. Well, I mean, I think they might be coming to you and letting you know whether you're making it closer towards your goal or not. Okay. I could see that as well. That's my understanding of it, at least. So, you know, partly I was just thinking, well, why would we have it be someone else who's objectively measuring, right? If it's an objective measurement, surely you can do it yourself. But I do think, right, we may have a tendency to lie to ourselves or fudge the numbers or soften it a little bit and say, well, I got close enough. Or you right, maybe you just want to downplay the importance of you know missing your targets, and so having someone else you know doing the measuring, I think instills maybe a little bit more integrity in the process, if you will, really forces you to deal with whether you're making progress as you need to or not. Yeah, that's interesting. I could see that the having somebody else helping you measure yourself and the gains that you're you're you know, you're trying to make or or whatever the changes that you're trying to make, the whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. If you were able to have somebody else who is like measuring, objectively measuring, like you said, how you're doing, that would be great because we are, it is difficult for, for humans to, uh, to look at themselves and measure themselves objectively in that way. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you're very fortunate uh, to, have a, to have a goal and to have a, a person who, you, who w- is willing to like help measure you and, and objectively measure you in that way and, and give you that sort of real time transparency on how you're doing. I think the alternative to that, as I started to allude to earlier is uh, having someone who's checking in with you on a regular basis to see how you're doing. Uh, If you don't have any just totally objective way to measure yourself, like if you're trying, it would be hard. It's harder to, to assess. Am I becoming healthier because of what I'm doing in the case of like losing weight? Versus have I lost weight? Cause I can just get on the scale and see up or down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty objective. Yeah. But am I getting healthier? I could delude myself into thinking, well, I feel better, but what are those objective measures that a doctor might do and, and then be able to assess? Yes, indeed. You are getting healthier here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, you could do more than just weight, right? Maybe it's blood pressure or, you know, um, I don't know what other. Like your triglycerides, your, your, <laughs> How how you do you know are you closer or further away from having diabetes? There's all kinds of blood work and and objective ways that you could measure overall health. Right. 
And, you know, so one of the other things that Ray talks about is, you know, he says, you know, if you aren't hitting your targets, then that needs diagnosing and solving as well. Right. And that's where it can be helpful to have a third party come in and help you think through those things as to why you're not meeting your targets. Yeah. And he really makes an acknowledgement here, Micah, that this isn't, uh, this isn't a a flat process. This isn't a a, a unidirectional or or a single, you know, you're only going in one direction process. You're going to, you're going to have lots of loops on the five-step process, just as it's visualized famously in the book of spiraling upwards that, you know, you're going, and I think there are going to be times when you're in the midst of making improvements that you might have to cycle again because you were experiencing trouble. You're not making the progress you hoped you would. You're, you're now, you're now wanting to reevaluate, is this really the right thing that I'm doing? Uh, And then diagnose to root cause to figure out what's gone wrong again. And, and it, it seems like that it's just going to be a perpetual five-step process and maybe even other little five steps inside of five steps. So we're going to be five-stepping it a lot. <laughs> and I've certainly found that to be true for myself, uh, that I you know have been in the midst of, of maybe diagnosing or designing and had to step back and say, am I really doing the right thing? Uh, and then you know sort of start that whole process over again and then get pointed in the right direction again and then figure out, oh, I'm still off track and have started to start that process all over again. So, you know, on a side note, um, on this idea of, you know, completing our tasks so that ultimately we achieve our goals. Um, there's a podcast called choiceology and, um, it's a podcast by Katie Milkman. I think it's like sponsored by Charles Schwab or something, but, um, that's not fair. They don't sponsor us. I know. I wonder why. Uh, so she had a, a guest on her podcast, Dean Carlin, and he's got, um, this idea where we should increase the price of our vice uh, sometimes. So a lot of times, right, we have certain goals that we want to achieve and we have certain tasks. And the problem is that our behaviors, right, can get in the way, right? We have some bad behaviors that can maybe make us not perform those tasks. So the example he gives is, you know, he wanted to, I presume, be healthier. And so one of the things for him was he wasn't going to eat dessert. Well, when he went out with friends, you know, they would have some wine and he would want some wine, but he knew if he had one wine, then he would want a second. And if he had a second wine, then he would want some dessert. I think I'm getting this right. Um, it's close enough at least. And so what he would do is, right, ultimately it was fine for him to have wine, but it wasn't okay for him to have dessert as he had set out his plan. And so what he did was he made a contract with someone else at the table and said, look, if I order some dessert, I owe you a hundred dollars. And so now he's increased the cost of cost of his vice, right? Of eating the dessert. And so now he can have the first wine, even though it's going to result in him having a second wine, because even if he has that second wine, he's not going to order. The, he's not going to order the dessert because it's going to cost a hundred bucks. Right. I haven't had a dessert yet that I know of. That's worth a hundred dollars. So I agree. So, right. And this, I think, comes to this idea of, you know, a lot of times in theory or outside the moment, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, I really do want to be healthy. Dessert's not that big a deal. And then you get in the moment and, you know, psychologically, it's much harder than you thought it was going to be. And so if you can do some other things to make it much more costly, you can significantly decrease the chance that you're going to engage in your vices. That seems like a very special, specialized way of having metrics to make sure that you're, you know, staying on track. You've, you've sort of special specialized it to not having dessert and specialized it even further and into having somebody objectively help, help you stay accountable and they're measuring it for you. Right. And they're holding you, they're helping you hold you accountable 
by saying, okay, yes, I, I will take this. If you have dessert, you will pay me a hundred dollars and I'm going to hold you to that. It's like, I'm not going to let that server bring you dessert unless I get that hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I've thought about is I, I want to introduce this to the teams that I uh, facilitate their retros, right? So sometimes right within retrospective software teams will come up with some new ways to improve their processes, right? They'll agree, okay, we're all going to do X, right? So that we deliver software better. And I want to introduce this idea to them that, you know, you know, cause not everyone, even though you set what's called an action item that we're, Hey, we're all going to do this. Not everyone follows through or not. The team doesn't always fall through. So it might be interesting to uh, encourage the team to say, Hey, what, what do you want to be the consequence if you don't follow through on this, right? And this would be a team set thing. It wouldn't be me as the facilitator saying, you're going to pay me a hundred dollars if you don't follow through. Sure. That would just be a money-making scheme for you, but it's a, it's the, you know, it's the carrot stick method of, of encouragement where there's a carrot that is the positive thing that the, the uh, group of people would gain by making the improvement. And then you've got the stick side of things that you're going to beat them with metaphorically, (laughs) of course, (laughs) if they don't. Yeah, they're going to be hitting themselves with the stick, right? Absolutely. With the, you know. And there's no, yes, it's, but you're, you're administering, uh, you, I think you're enforcing the, them administering the punishment to themselves. Unfortunately, I think as a facilitator, I, I don't get to do that. All I, all I can just do is, you know, help the discussion along. There's no enforcement power on, in my role. Okay. Unfortunately. I, I think, <laughs> but I think a key, a key part of this is that you, you're there to objectively, to be objective and to, help objectively hold them accountable to their metrics to their and to what they've what they're they've planned to improve and what they're planning to do and so that seems like a key key part of that role it's mm-hmm. built to help do exactly these things that are called out uh in this in this particular sub principle about having metrics and then having people that can help hold you accountable to those metrics yeah okay so just one last uh thing this is really brief and it's sort of glossed over right at the very end, Micah, of, of this, um, of this mid-level principle 2.5, uh, push through to completion where Ray mentions two terms, synthesize and synth- synthesizing, and then also, uh, being a shaper and having the ability to shape or shaping. And I think these are terms that we're going to see a lot through the book I have, as I've read it multiple times. Uh, and so it's worth understanding the concept and, and uh, it's worth also for yourself sort of understanding where where are you on this spectrum of being a synthesizer or a shaper. And so when you think about the five-step process, somebody who is a synthesizer, they're good at setting goals. They're good at identifying what the problems are. They're good at then diagnosing the problems. And those are the things that they're good at. For a shaper, they're good at designing the solutions and then implementing those solutions. So pushing through to completion. And uh, this is how Ray has defined these two things, synthesizers and shapers. Um, Micah, do you feel like you maybe are more of a a shaper or a synthesizer or where do you feel like you fall in uh, along these lines? Uh, I would think I definitely fall in the synthesizing, um, especially the identifying problems and diagnosing. Um, Something that Ray is going to get to later. He talks about, Things I think it's in part of like team personality you know, characteristics. Um, one of those is a refiner, and I think that's definitely where I fit. And 
shaper, you know, as far as like implementing those designs. And maybe this is just because I think of a lot of times you're managing people in this case, mm. like telling people what to do. That's not my natural strength for sure. Yeah. It has been my experience that there are more people that are, are able to be synthesizers and fewer that have the, the ability to be shapers and, and even to be, of course, we're all on, we're all on some sort of spectrum between being a synthesizer and a shaper, but being a good shaper that you can do it consistently and on a regular basis, that's a really hard thing to do. But oftentimes you'll see that those people are pretty successful because they've been able to push through to completion. What would you see yourself as? I, I think I'm in, in, in the spectrum in there. You know, I, I, the, the synthesizer things are arguably maybe easier to do. And so I feel like I can, I can do those things relatively well, but I also like to believe, and I think that I can do some of the shaper things with, you know, designing the solutions and then pushing those solutions through, uh, in terms of execution. But I fully admit that those are, that's the much tougher side of things where the rubber starts to meet the road where you've really got to impact changes either, either in yourself or in a more, uh, more difficult manner, maybe people within an organization, maybe lots of people within an organization. So that's when it becomes much more difficult to shape is when you're talking about changing, making changes and helping a large group of people make changes within an organization or a community or any other sort of a grouping. Okay. So that's it for principle 2.5, push through to completion. Join us back here next time as we'll be talking about the next one, Principle 2.6. Thanks, John. Thanks, Micah. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals.